KF was a very interesting uh, patient that I worked with and was asked to uh, assess quite routinely. Uh, he was a um, young man who'd suffered a uh, motor, uh, head trauma from a motorbike accident. And uh, in my uh, routine assessment of this patient, I discovered that he had a uh, digit span, which is one very conventional measure of short-term memory as defined in the sort of Broadbentian terms, uh, one item. So if you said to him, repeat after me, three, he could say three. If you said, repeat after me, seven, two, he would say seven, forgotten the other. Now, this young man, he was, I think, 23 or four years old at this time, um, had, in, to my mind, perfectly good memory. He was totally different from the amnesic patients that I was used to working with. He was totally uh, different from uh, sort of aging patients who were getting memory deficits due to old age. Uh, and you could uh, give him formal memory tests like list learning, and he would perform at a normal level. And I thought this, as I knew the normal literature uh, on uh, the uh, models of uh, short, -term, short and long-term memory, I thought this was sufficiently interesting uh, that I approached uh, Tim Shallis, who was at the time a uh, young lecturer at uh, UC, and uh, said I went to him. He says he, says he remembers uh, where we were sitting in the Marlborough pub when we had this conversation. <laughs> I think you may, that may be a confabulation. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, I said I think the theories are wrong because I've got a patient with a short-term memory deficit whose long-term memory is perfectly normal. And uh, he thought this was really very interesting and uh, came over and met the patient, and th that triggered our collaboration, which went on, very fruitful collaboration, which went on for uh, many years. And we uh, did a series of experiments uh, with uh, this young man, um, and uh, we uh, published our first paper in uh, 1969, and it was followed up by a more theoretical paper in uh, 1970, where we indeed uh, try to uh, challenge the orthodox model and put forward our uh, own uh, parallel processing view. Much of the work on short-term memory since then has been devoted to uh, trying to decipher what it is in our cognitive skills that we need this buffer system for. It's also something that a later stage, Ros McCarthy and I worked on in um, more recent cases of short-term memory deficit. And I think it's generally agreed that it's now part of the language processing system. If we try and link these uh, various uh, short-term uh, buffer stores, uh, I've just been talking about the auditory verbal one, but if we uh, go back to uh, Alan Badley's concept of working memory, he also, uh, in his model, incorporates a second slave system, which he calls uh, visuospatial sketchpad. Uh, and um, 
in our own work, my own work here, I think that we have not only an auditory verbal uh, short-term store, I think we also have a visual verbal short-term store which holds uh, information like uh, written letters. Now, I think it's also probably true to say that each of these stores has its own anatomical underpinnings. The visuospatial uh, sketch pad is uh, almost certainly uh, impaired by right parietal lesions. Uh, there's uh, good evidence in for the auditory uh, verbal uh, deficit to be associated with uh, lesions of the inferior lobe of the left parietal lobe. And I think that the visual uh, verbal deficit uh, is uh, due to lesions more posteriorly at the sort of boundary of the occipital and uh, temporal lobe, again, in the left hemisphere. So uh, that means that assessment of these skills does indeed have some diagnostic usefulness.